Welcome to the All Hoops Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Inman, and I'm joined by star producer and co-host, Chris Brito. We're halfway through the first round of the NBA playoffs, and we have a lot to talk about, including our Knicks holding a 3-1 lead over the Cleveland Cavaliers. Before we get to that, Chris, my friend, obviously I know how you're doing. This is arguably the greatest weekend the Knicks have ever had, at least in our 30 years of life. So how are you? You know what, Steve, I think I'm elated because I think while I felt really strongly that the Knicks had a good chance against the Cavaliers, seeing it and the way they're doing it convincingly and not even playing their best is such a refreshing way to like approach the playoffs. You know, typically by this point, we're like looking forward to the draft or the lottery or whatever it is. But now we actually have some optimism in the form of our team actually in the playoffs where it matters. And just to see like all the fellow Nick fans like celebrating out in the streets in 7th Avenue in Manhattan is like such a cool sight to see. And like, you know, I'm glad everyone's sort of embracing it for now. And it's wonderful that this is all going so well for the Knicks. But, um, you know, like Jalen Brunson said, you know, they still need one more win to complete the round and it's too early to celebrate obviously but it's hard not to be happy with how the team is playing and you know we'll get into like what we think has been the biggest shock but I think the biggest x factor so far and you're going to kill me for this I think has been Tibbs I think Tibbs has like far outplayed outplayed right out coached um Bickerstaff in this series I 100% agree I think Bickerstaff has just been outclassed in this series by Thibodeau. And I did not expect that to really be a situation with uh, too many coaches in this league, but it's happening. Um, I think Thibodeau's played really well. I, I love what he did with Brandon McBride, give them a little juice when Grimes got hurt. I think, I think that really took Mitchell out of his rhythm. And that's something that you can make the case that has never happened before in an NBA playoffs with Donovan Mitchell. And obviously a lot of factors go into that, but McBride was a big part of that. I think the way game four was developing where they're running in transition, Julius Randle's not having a very good game and Toppin wasn't lighting it up, but he was still a big part of that run they made on Sunday. And Thibodeau just keeps them in. He rides the hot hand and that's exactly how I wanted him to play it. That's exactly how he did play it. And I think he deserves a ton of credit. The only thing I think he's done in this entire series, and it hasn't cost them, is they had a big chunk of game four where the Cavs came back where he put Brunson on Garland and it let Garland kind of start cooking for a bit. And they smartly got off of that halfway through the third quarter or end of third quarter. And it was a mistake, but at the same time, it did not cost them. And he adjusted to that mistake going into the fourth. So I think Thibodeau's played an almost perfect series so far. And just looking ahead for a second, I know you said it, you're right. One series at a time, but you're going to face either Miami without Hero as an eight seed or a banged up Bucks team with Giannis either hurt or playing not 100%. And let's face it, you know, Budenholzer has not been the, a coach that can adjust the things on the fly too much. And I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think Thibodeau might be able to out-coach him next round too. 
Yeah, listen. Especially if Giannis is not close to 100%, and I don't think they really have a plan B. I'll be honest with you. The only team I was ever scared of scared of in the playoffs were the Bucks. Me too. And now I feel very confident that like we'll, we can at least make it a series, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's nice to hope and wonder for a change. I mean, I think – and listen, I'm getting way ahead of myself. But we I'm, both are. I'm, I'm just going to say one thing. The Bucks are the team I, I'm scared of the most of the teams that are still in the playoffs. Yeah, that's, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. like I don't sure. like. I think it's like the Bucks, maybe the Celtics, and then maybe that's it. I don't. I'm not scared of any other team. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, you mentioned your biggest X factor of the series was Thibodeau, and he's he's doing a great job. For me, it's Mitchell Robinson. I did not really see him out playing not just Allen, but Mobley and Allen. And the two of those guys, like you play them together to try to win at the offensive rebounding. You try to win the defensive rebound battle and they're winning neither of those. Mitchell Robinson is single-handedly beating those two guys. And then you factor in Josh Hart's effort on the boards, him his effort in transition. And that's been the biggest difference between these two teams. And I think more often than not, rebounding is an effort thing, especially offensive rebounds. And, you know, it's the first round of the playoffs. These are two teams that have not had really any playoff success in the last five years. And they should both be giving 100% effort, but it seems like only the Knicks are. Well, you know what it is? I think the the Bucks, Cavs. Sorry, the, the Cavs. The Cavs remind me a lot of, of like the Knicks from a few years ago where like two years ago against the Hawks. Yeah. I think like, the same just thing. like just like a team that you know has some vets and whatever, has some experience, but like just not there really has haven't been in there in the moment like the Knicks have, like again, like two years ago, or like a guy like Brunson who was there like last season. Um they just seem like a young team. I feel like I feel like this conversation is not going to be the same way next year. The Cavs are going to be much better. Um, the The most surprising aspect, honestly, has been Donovan Mitchell. He hasn't played well at all this whole series. I mean, apart from game one, he hasn't really played well. Yeah, no, I, I think he's played solidly, solidly to good. The only game he was bad was game four. But I thought the story of the series, win or lose, was going to be, wow, the Knicks really should have got Donovan Mitchell. And this, that's not the story. I did not really see a scenario where he didn't destroy the Knicks. And it's just, like, we try to make it seem like we know all the answers. I try to make it seem like I know all the answers, but you really never know. And there's been no real key injuries in this series, and yet the Knicks are taking it to him 3-1. So, well, Chris, I, real quick, before yeah, sure. we move on, let's, uh, let's make our predictions for uh, the rest of this series. How many games does it take for the Knicks to win? I would like the series to end as soon as possible, but if I'm being realistic, I think the Knicks take care of things at home um, in game six. I think the Cavaliers are going to give it all they got. Um, and that's that's how I think the series is going to end, but I hope it doesn't take longer than that. Yeah, uh, I think it's going to be Knicks and six. They win it on a Friday night. The Garden's going nuts. We're going to get some amazing new side talk video for the Knicks' first, second round 
advancement in 10 years. And then on our next show, we'll, I'll give you a ton of credit because you predicted this months ago. And I told you that was one of the dumber things you ever said on the show. So oh my God, get, you're going to get your credit when credit's due uh, if that happens. And we, we expect it to happen at this point. But Chris, let's move on to the rest of the NBA playoffs. It's been a very interesting ride. And unfortunately, injuries to me have played the biggest part in several series. Uh, you look at the Clippers with really no way of knowing if Kawhi or Paul George will play again this year. It looks the way it's going. It's unlikely that we see either one of them again this season. You have the Grizzlies with John Morant. He has the nasty looking finger hand injury. He comes back and uh, it's, I'm wondering, if it, is it too little too late? You know, he has a big game. They still lose to the seven-seeded Lakers. And then, obviously, we mentioned Milwaukee with Giannis. So, which of these teams do you want to touch on? And uh, can they? Can any of them win their their series? Well, it's funny you mentioned the Morant, the Morant thing. But I always thought, like, uh, forgive me if I'm wrong, but, like, um, is it Tyus Jones, the one who plays in Memphis? Yes. The team seems to be, see, at least during the regular season, the team had a a, a winning record with him while John Morant was out. And they did last year too. And they did last year also. I think that if Ja is not at 100%, that he probably shouldn't be playing. That's my that's my first comment, right? And then as re in regards to the Bucks, listen, I think there's a little bit of game gamesmanship um, with, with the Bucks right now. I think um, they want to give Giannis as much rest as possible. Um. So I think that when he comes back and he's going to be probably like full throttle and he'll be back and like, that's a problem. That's a problem. Um, I'm mostly concerned about the Embiid thing. Oh, um, I forgot about him too. Um, the Embiid scenario looks like it's going to be pretty bad. Um, and it just sucks that every year it happens like the first, first round or like right before the first round. Um, and then in closing, like the Kawhi thing is also pretty nuts. Also the, the Kawhi thing, I don't know why, but it's like, it's just, this happens every year with the Clippers and we seem shocked every time I'm shocked. I'm shocked this happened. It seemed like it came out of nowhere. Whereas the Embiid thing, it feels like this always happens. He's a, he's a big man. They play him big minutes every year and it's unfortunate, but like that's expected. Kawhi is a wing who was playing some of his best basketball. And then it's just like, he's out. We don't know how long he's out. It may be. And he was apparently week, maybe in the next season. He was apparently playing injured also like that right. game two or whatever it was. So I find, I, I mean, I don't know, man, I find that whole thing kind of crazy. Um, and really like Kawhi made it a series. And now I'm not sure like it's going to be a series anymore unless he comes back for a game was it their game five, game five? Like uh, Yeah, they're down 3-1. I think that one's going to end right away without Kawhi or Paul George playing. And it's unfortunate for them because they may have caught this Phoenix team at the right time if they were healthy. Because it looks like the Suns have somewhere between three and four players that they actually trust right now. Chris Paul's having the worst week of his you know NBA career, it seems like you don't really have a wing on the team with Cam Johnson and Mikhail Bridges playing in Brooklyn. They've been playing Torrey Craig as a starting three and behind him, there's really nothing, you know, campaign's been hurt, you know, Aiden Booker Durant 
is strong, obviously. But yeah. beyond those guys, like those guys are not playing 48 minutes. And if they are playing 48 minutes, this team is not going to go very far. And I think it's unfortunate for the Clippers because it looks like the bracket finally moved correctly for them. And then, of course, Kawhi is just mysteriously hurt. Paul George is hurt. And I'm I'm ready to give up on this, this group. I think it's over. And I don't think they're going to be able to recover from this next season either. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you put it best in like, four years. It's, it's too much. It's like, I feel like as a fan base, how are you not upset? I mean, maybe if you're the Clippers, you're probably just happy to be in the playoffs. But are they though? I feel you know, like I, I, I their don't, payroll I don't, makes it seem as if they should be trying to win the West. They believe they have a good enough team to win the West. And when healthy, they do. But there's been four straight years of just not being healthy. I know. I know. Um, yeah. And so, like, okay, so the Kawhi thing. And then, thankfully, the Knicks have are doing okay in that regard. I mean, it sucks that Quinn and Grimes is hurt with whatever he has. Um, the shoulder, right? The shoulder, yeah. Um, but you know what? Generally speaking, look, I hope the rest of the playoffs, everyone get, gets healthy. Like I would much rather face a healthy Giannis than I mean, I would rather Giannis be at full strength playing with us than like for it to be like an asterisk situation, you know? No, wrong, incorrect. No, I mean the asterisk thing is a fair point, but at the end of the day, we bring up the asterisk thing with the Toronto Raptors, but at the same time they're still champions. We okay. think of that Kawhi trade as one of the greatest trades ever. It's true. You know, and especially if it's a second round, right? Like, if the Knicks go on a long run and it's because Giannis didn't play or was hurt in the second round, you're not going to really remember it compared to if it was a key guy hurt in the finals. So I think this asterisk thing, who cares? Just whatever chance the Knicks have, you want it to max, you want to maximize their chance. And I do think Giannis will play and we'll see how it goes. But no, I'm not rooting for him to get healthy. Oh my god, you're a savage. Not this week. I hope he wins the next three championships after this year. How about that? Fair enough. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited about the Knicks and and you know, whatever this playoff journey takes us, to be honest. So um so and it's just to close on this real quick. Um, how do you feel about the Lakers Grizzly series? The Lakers are gonna move on, but the Celtics are move have are gonna move on against the Hawks. Sixers already moved on. Knicks potentially. Um, I'm trying to think of which ones are sort of up in the air. Oh, the Warriors and the I think Kings. Golden State Sacramento is probably the most interesting series left. Uh, the Warriors, for whatever reason, just don't play well on the road this year. And they need to if they they want to advance. It's uh it's actually kind of funny. I think I saw this on the Ryan Russillo podcast where he described the Warriors as like a middling 35-year-old guy. And basically he said, when they're at home, having a party, hosting friends, they're lively, they're active, they can have a few drinks, they're enjoying themselves. And all of a sudden you put them in an environment on the road where, you know, you're far away from home, you're worried about how you're going to get back, you know, you're, you're trying to watch how much you drink, you know, it's that kind of thing. And it's like, you're just not your best, your mind's preoccupied, you're not ready. And it seems like that's where they are. They're an older team. And for whatever reason, they're, they've been arguably the worst team in the entire playoffs on the road and 
I think because of that reason, Sacramento is going to win this thing in seven. Sacramento nearly stole a game in Golden State. And it came down to Harrison Barnes, who missed a lot of key shots for the Warriors seven years ago in that one championship they lost to LeBron. Here he is again, full going full circle, misses the key three at the end of the game. And I think that's why this series goes seven. But I think at the end of the day, I think the Kings are just faster than the Warriors and they play a very similar system. So unless you're going to get a 50-point Steph game on the road, I think Sacramento wins this thing in seven, and I think it'll be highly entertaining. Yeah, but I'm also rooting for a Lakers uh, Warriors second round too. Yeah, I can see that happening, and uh, I, that's a series I feel like I have the least feel for. Everything else kind of seems like it's you know how it's going to break. This one, I don't think we know. Um, no, no, but I'm 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 here for it. Yeah. All right, Chris, let's uh, let's get to our final thoughts right after this. All right, Chris, final thoughts time here. Uh, we have two interesting trade rumor things going around. First, obviously, is Trey Young. It looks like this might finally be the year Atlanta deals him. They're, they don't seem to be dealing him at his highest peak value. And it's people are starting to wonder, can you actually win with this guy? Where the reputation is he's a great shooter. He hasn't been a great shooter this year. He has had some friction with teammates. He doesn't play any defense. He makes a lot of money. And you got to give up probably two first-round picks and a good young player minimum. So I'm curious if this just – and I brought it up on a previous show. I wonder if this just becomes a challenge trade where you you flip the two teams and nearly got swept their best guy or second-best guy, Towns, for Trey Young and see where it goes from there. I think that would be super interesting, and I could see a scenario where we're talking about that in July. You know what? I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, I know uh, Bill Simmons was talking about it also on a podcast he had recently. But you know what location I actually like a lot for Trey? Where? I think I like him a lot in in Orlando. Um, Just because I feel like that team can really, like, complement his his skill set and like listen he doesn't play any defense but that's the good thing about having like a bunch of wings and a bunch of guys who are like kind of like versatile on that team and yeah it could work with trey and like i think they need like a a primary like a i mean we could argue that bonchero is probably that guy but yeah i was probably that guy but i feel like trey could also be like the number one and number two and like they probably don't have to give up a lot for him. So the Magic have the six overall best odds right now. So hypothetically, if that deal was something around the six pick and a future first plus salary filler for Trey, I could see both sides considering that. Where the the Hawks yeah. side, let's go young, and the Magic decide this might be our chance to become a a fringe playoff team and yeah. move, take a step forward. The issue I see is. The Magic are not going to attract any free agents there. Well, that's also true. That's a fair point as well. But my concern is the talk around Atlanta has been Trey doesn't share the ball enough. We seem to enjoy playing better without him. How is that going to work with two really good young wings in Bancaro and Franz Wagner who need the ball in their hands? Is Trey going to be a happy facilitator? Or is this going to be one of those things where the three of them are kind of battling for who's the guy here 
and it becomes kind of like the Hawks 2.0. I can see that, but I actually like the Magic skilled players better than I do the the, the Hawks. Fair, fair. You know? Like, yeah. like, okay. I can also see it working out really well where Trey leads the league in assists. I think it could go either like, way. Like, I, I think, don't know if they're ready for that like, kind of. Right. Because I feel like Trey had too much of the burden of scoring, even with DeJounte Murray next to him. And so maybe in a role where I don't know how I don't know what world he's gonna be a differential, but maybe like moving moving him on sort of humbles him a little bit and maybe like he can focus on what he does best, which is which isn't shooting and kind of it really isn't scoring. Well, scoring, yeah, to an extent, but it's really his playmaking. His playmaking is like exactly what Orlando needs. Yeah, and uh, the other guy we were talking about in trade rumors, uh, Damian Lillard, it seems like this could be the year they explore it. It sounds like they're going to do either for real or fake trying to improve the team first. But when you're a team with no cap space, no draft picks, and you're a not free agent destination, I'm not really sure how you can make this work. And the only way I see this thing working out for Dame in Portland is if they, with the 40, you know, 10.5% chance of winning the lottery, they get Victor Wembanyama. That's the only way I really see this working out for them. That's not likely. So I think Dame's going to be on the move. And I wonder, is Dame actually the fit in Orlando that you're describing? Whereas Trey is going to try to score, Dame might be more of a, a guy willing to make other guys better. Yeah, but his timeline doesn't make sense with the Magic. Otherwise, he'd probably just stay with Portland. I think he actually makes sense in Philly or in the Nets. Philly because James Harden's going to go and they're going to have a gap there. Yeah. Um, and then I think the Nets because he's boys with uh, Mikhail Bridges. But what that package looks like remains to be seen. But um, I, 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 I still believe with, on. I still believe with either of those guys, the Nets would have to give up Cam Johnson and the and Philly would have to give up Tyrese Maxey. That doesn't mean they they should do it, but I think that's the requirement. And some like he's Damian Lillard. He averaged what thirty a game again. He could have played the entire season healthy. There, you're gonna have to give up something for that. He's an MVP candidate. You can't just have him for free or for draft picks, especially when you know these draft picks are all gonna be in the mid twenties, right? So we'll see how it plays out. I think it's something that's going to drag throughout the summer. I don't think this is going to going to see July 5th. I think you're going to try to see Portland try to pull a few strings and see if they can improve the team. And if they can't really improve the team, then they talk about selling Dame off. But for now, that's uh, that's problems for uh, different day. not the playoffs. We have the Knicks in there. We have a bunch of really great, you know, game fives and game sixes coming up. And that's going to do it for us here on the All Hoops podcast. Chris, I thank you. I thank our watchers on YouTube, our listeners on Apple and Spotify, and we'll be back next week to talk more NBA action. Bye, everyone.